0: to another episode of the Hoodat Jedi podcast. This is episode 168. I am Aaron and with me as always is Dave and Fredo. Hi guys.
1: Hey. Hello, hello.
0: We are well today, I mean, um we now have a new Saints team. So, we won't talk about that, but uh there's some big shakeups in the special teams department today. That was kind of interesting. Um So now we just have to wait, what, two weeks before we see what this Saints team can do? So, hooray. Um,
2: And as somebody pointed out online, it's like, always remember that the 53-man roster you see today may not be the 53-man roster you see come that first Sunday because uh, people get cut, relieved, traded, you know, opportunities open, and you know. Changes, changes are made up until the last minute.
0: I have, a, you know, I have a feeling that it's like, it's kind of like the line from that thing you do, you know, keep your eye on your money, you know, it's like, you know, cause you're going to be, yeah, you're going to be a nomad anyway. So, um, so yeah, can't wait. And, uh, um, college football is starting. So I get to see how much my corn huskers are going to make me sad. Um, so it could go, go one way yesterday. or the other. So anyway, um, and Dave is a K-State, Florida State fan, and I'm a Nebraska fan, and we still get along. So, those of you in Washington, yes, dogs and cats can play together and be just fine. Um, so, <laughs> Fredo, do you have a, do you have a I, college team? I don't, really. Uh, you know, because
2: I, I went to a small uh, college in Memphis, and I went to a small college for my master's degree in new orleans and you know i do work for tooling but that you know that feels kind of weird jumping on that bandwagon so oh, like i'll my, jump, my answer, I'd jump my on answer over that is, bandwagon yeah no my answer is always i root for the chaos i root for by week five there being like five of the top 10 teams having lost and there being everybody's uh you know top 20 just ripped to shreds because that's when it gets fun
0: yeah, kind of like a big NCAA, you know, uh, March Madness bracket. Anyway, so, sure. yeah, so, and that also means that the temperatures are going to start coming down at some point. So, you know, hooray. But even more exciting, we had new Star Wars last week, and we have even more new Star Wars in 20 minutes here um, on this Tuesday night because the third episode of Ahsoka is going to be dropping. So guess what, kids? We're going to be talking about Ahsoka um episodes one and two and just kind of in general uh so um yeah that's what we're gonna be talking about tonight so um before that let's uh let's do some trivia though get our brains wrapped around uh some star wars stuff all right so to dave what rebel was originally slated to be a green-skinned alien with huge gills What rebel was originally slated to be a green skinned alien with huge gills?
1: Yeah, that was Han Solo.
0: I'm glad they chose wisely. Yes, that was to be Han Solo. Can you imagine that? Let's all, let's all Mm -hmm. close our eyes and imagine Han Solo looking like Swamp Thing. And is it the same movie?
1: (laughs) If it was a uh, Greedo, you know, like he looked like Greedo. Well, could and,
0: he be and... Could he be Merman and talk like Merman, you know?
2: That, yeah, it's, that, such a, it's such a different, yeah, it's such a different vibe. I mean, would Chewbacca then have been a human co-pilot? Or would he have still been the mobile well, big remember, dog that he
0: is? Remember Chewbacca looked like what Zeb looks like. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is all, all been weird. All right, well, one down. Good job, Dave. So, Fredo, to you, who calls R2-D2 a malfunctioning little twerp and a stupid lump? Who calls R2-D2 a malfunctioning little twerp and a stupid lump?
2: I would venture a guess and says uh, C-3PO.
0: It is C-3PO. Man, that's kind of... That was a layout. It's kind of... Let's... <laughs> let's uh. Let's, uh not have bullying kids. Um, all right. And Mm -hmm. to me, what diplomat rescued by Qui-Gon Jinn snipes that the Jedi's negotiations seem to have failed. What diplomat rescued by Qui-Gon Jinn snipes that the Jedi's negotiations seem to have failed. Um, rescued. That's, that's weird. Rescued by Qui-Gon Jinn. Seem to have failed. Um, it's not Nuke Gunray, is it? No, Co Bibble. Grr. Uh.
1: Yeah, the old guy with the beard. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. I, I think, uh, right. put me on the spot. I never would have guessed his
0: name. Ah, uh, man. All right. Well, you guys win the tournament tonight. So, all mm-hmm. right. Well. uh we got a couple bits of news before we get into ahsoka so um uh fredo what's going on in star wars life?
2: so just i'll start with the one that came out today so uh today was the release of from a certain point of view return of the jedi which uh i don't think Brittany uh, williams wrote for this one she's basically writing her own uh, novels right now and promoting them but yeah today you get the 40th anniversary. Much in the same way as we got with *A uh, New Hope* and *Empire Strikes Back*, from a certain point of view, *Return of the Jedi*. So, it's out there for everybody to uh, grab and purchase and
0: read and enjoy. Have you guys have you guys seen the um, the Shakespeare adaptations of the novelizations?
2: I have. I actually bought the *Odd uh, the Odyssey* of Star Wars, which actually turns *A New Hope* into a Homeric poem, which is actually quite a neat thing. To we think. might.
0: Might have to do dramatic readings with Aaron at some segment. Just, you know, take a scene from A New Hope and, you know, in the voice of Shakespeare. Uh, it's kind of like, I don't know if you ever, there's a YouTube clip out there of the guy who does who did Winnie the Pooh's voice. And he, like, was, he read all the Darth Vader lines um, <laughs> from, yeah. from the opening of A New Hope. <laughs> it was <is> awesome. <laughs> so look that one up.
2: Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's fun. Uh, the only bit of news, I okay, and this is upcoming, but uh, we officially got announcement that Mandalorian season one and two are coming for physical media. So December twelfth, twenty twenty three, you're able to buy Blu rays of the first two seasons of the Mandalorian, which I believe would make them the first Disney Plus shows to be available to own on a medium, on a physical, on a physical medium. Which you know, is kind of reveal
0: my my gut reaction was one, and then immediately followed with um, a totally different reaction, and I'm gonna have to go buy that because it's like what happens when Disney Plus goes belly up, and suddenly I can't watch The Mandalorian anymore. You know, even if I want oh. to, like on a sick day or a you know just a veg out day. Uh, okay, way to. to take my money some more there, Disney.
2: (laughs) No, because you make a point because I was reading an article in The Guardian today which was discussing the very reality of shows coming off streaming services. I mean, they're putting it in the framework of the current uh, writers and actors strike against uh, the studios for the residual payments that they're, they're not getting from streaming services. But there's this concept that The idea of the streaming service at one point was that it didn't matter that you didn't purchase the Blu-ray, the DVD, the whatever, you would have it. You could always click on an app and get access to it. But slowly but surely in the last year, a lot of shows, Willow from Disney Plus is no longer there. Uh, If you like Westworld and HBO, that's no longer there. It's a whole bunch of shows that were made, promoted, that people liked and, unless you have the physical media available in your, on your shelf, you can't find anymore.
1: Yeah, no, y'all, y'all make a good point. Honestly, it's, um, I, I guess I'm not, I'm not worried per se. I don't think it's the kind of thing that will,
0: you don't think they're showing I, their cards.
1: Well, you know, like, um, the the closest thing to a real world example I can think of for this situation is the uh, Clone Wars uh, micro series, um, which became not canon at at some point, and they stopped making those DVDs, and then nobody could watch them anymore. And the DVDs were like you could find them on Amazon for a hundred bucks or whatever, but like that was it. Um, and then they eventually added it to Disney Plus, so I. I think, I guess my takeaway from that whole situation is just that the this stuff is always really fluid. Um, it's not going to be something that will disappear forever. Uh, it's also not going to be something that may not it may not be readily available. Mandalorian, if Disney Plus fails, Mandalorian could be unavailable for a number of years, mm-hmm. a decade, two decades um it'll come back eventually um it'll be available uh, eventually um but if you don't like playing those odds and it sounds like aaron is like no i don't want to (laughs) play i don't want to play those odds i want to make sure i can have it and watch it when i want to
0: yeah i I mean
1: yeah
0: yeah but however the ironic thing is i can't remember the last time i turned on my blu-ray as a matter of fact I got my Nintendo switch um, at the beginning of the pandemic and I had to unplug the Blu-ray from the, from its HDMI port because I didn't have enough HDMI ports. So the switch has been plugged in ever since. So that tells you at least <laughs> how long it has been since i plugged in my Blu-ray, but um, yeah, I don't know, you know, but then, you know, I don't know. I, like, so then, but, this... my, but like i said my instant reaction i was wondering is like is this a is this a signal of things to come it's like but then it's like okay well maybe they're seeing subscriptions drop because of prices going up or, and people just not wanting it anymore but they know that there are star wars fans out there that would want to watch the mandalorian so it's and it doesn't cost a lot to produce it you know a blu-ray probably in the grand scheme of things so um now here's the kicker is will they have like a special behind the scenes featurette that's not on disney plus because then it's going to be yeah take my money because i'm a sucker for those so
2: yeah. i don't know if they've announced uh they've announced yet any extras i mean i imagine that some of the uh, behind the scenes stuff, a lot of a lot of the videos that are already available on Disney Plus, because that's just easier to take from that, put it in there, and hey, there you go. And if they include a few more things, all to the good. Uh, but yeah, it's it's always look, the reality is it's always going to be a concern because, like I said, I watched all three, four seasons of Westworld, and now they watch it.
0: I wonder and less
2: and less of, so. So there, there's always that concern that. Whenever the media strategy of the head echelon of the studio says, Oh, we're going to do this, and
0: there may go the
2: show that you really, really love. So,
0: why not season three? It's not like because it's the most recent. Yeah, but it's not like it. I mean, it's not like it just got done. I mean, you go and see a movie in the theater, and what like two months later, it's on a streaming service or on DVD. So. I wonder if if these two are test run. They want their technology back. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going
2: to say, maybe there's a test run. They want to see how much of a, you know, how many people run out there and get these. Because you're right. I mean, they could have put these two seasons, actually all three seasons of Mandalorian. Could have put Andor. Could have put Book of Boba Fett. And they're picking the first two seasons of the show that's been a hit since day one. They want to see what reaction they get.
1: What's the last TV series that you guys purchased in physical form? Because it wasn't something that I regularly engaged in. We mostly bought movies, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But
2: Uh, I bought a few. I bought a few. Now, uh, like I bought, like, uh, Man of Brothers and John Adams, which are mini series, Mm -hmm. an actual scripted series, uh, Game of Thrones, which I was getting the Blu rays for all the extras. for all the extras, because all the extras were cool in those th- those Blu-rays.
0: Uh, and I have then, a uh, pile of South Park seasons, and then just mm-hmm. kind of stopped on that one. I will say my my favorite though is the the bootleg um, WKRP series that my brother got <laughs> us all for Christmas one time. Um, that is that is my favorite. So
1: that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I was thinking the first season of True Detective was. Maybe the last one that I could think of that we got. Now when was and that that plays like a movie. That's a really really good season of television.
0: When was the last time you guys used your Blu-ray player? Just out of curiosity. I mean, Dave, you got kids, so probably more recent. But well, I bet you also have streaming services. So.
1: Yeah, I think it was a few weeks back. There was a there was a random kids movie that. We didn't know where to find and we knew we owned it, so we rummaged and pulled it out.
2: For me, I would say two years ago, and I know that because that's when, after Hurricane Ida I hit, happy anniversary, by the way, uh, because we didn't have, Dish Network couldn't get out to our home to reconnect the service for a month, so we had to bust out the Blu-ray and the DVD player to go through all the other stuff, because that's the thing, you didn't have... I mean, you have the over the air antenna, but if you're not interested in watching, you know, America's Got Talent or The Voice, okay, pop, time, time to rewatch all the old stuff.
0: There we go. All right, well.
2: So one last bit of news that'll take us into Ahsoka, Aaron, because today today I was talking about this. Disney Plus did announce via yeah, press release that Ahsoka drew 14 million views for its premiere last week. So... They're obviously uh, doubting that as good news. They're so happy with it. They're excited for the reaction from the fan base for the show. Now, I was telling you, apparently there was a, a, a service called Samba TV that measures streams and whatnot and they reported that that number was a 25% decline in viewership from season three of Mandalorian just a few months back now you know, apples and oranges and all that other stuff. But it's, it's interesting because I'm sure they've got, you know, they're keeping, I know Disney's keeping a close eye on how much you're getting a return on this, these Star Wars shows.
0: You know, what we were talking before, Dave, before you got on. And I, I, I really think that, that that's a little bit of apples and oranges because, you know, um, season three of the Mandalorian there's a whole lot of people who are invested and in, you know, in Din and Grogu and you know, then you have something brand new. It's like, you know, um, yeah, yeah. It, it's so I, 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 it would be more, it's more interesting to me to see how it compared to like season one premiere. You know what I mean? Cause there's, I don't know, Mandalorian was established, so. Um, but It would anyway. be
2: interesting, you know, compared to, to Andor. Because they're more, OK, secondary characters from previous, or, or characters from previous properties that didn't necessarily have the built-in audience that Mandalorian already had.
0: Yeah. See how they
2: how they would compare.
1: Yeah, Boba Fett for that matter, too. Um i would love to know um how it compares to this, those properties but yeah i you know i think I, a lot of people were talking about it i think it was popular um it's uh, it's off to a fast start i think
0: well let's let's dive into it right there because the first bullet point i have so we have we had two episodes of the ahsoka of ahsoka it's called it. first episode was master and apprentice and the second episode was Toil and Trouble. So just your overall reaction to, you know, like I said, don't have to get into specifics. Just, you know, how fired up were you or not fired up were you? What's just your, your gut reactions from the first watch? So, um, Dave, I'll, I'll start with you.
1: Um, dollar signs. Uh, that was my first reaction that they put a lot of care and budget into this show. Uh And I really, I mean, I, again, I appreciate that because that's um, a better way to achieve your vision uh, when you've got financial backing behind what you're trying to do. So, um, you know, as a fan of star Wars, I, I, I did appreciate seeing that. And, uh, it extended throughout. I mean, like obviously the cast is not a bunch of no, no names. They um, spared no expense on the visual effects. Um, the, the sound. Um, I think like that might've been one of the first things that just jumped out at me. It was just like the, the, the scoring and how classically star Wars it sounded and, and just how much investment there must've been in that. Um, because it wasn't just that it was evocative of classical Star Wars, but that it was good as well. I mean, it was it was actually good, um, and so like those were the sorts of things that jumped out at me. It's just like there was there was a lot of quality. There were, the, the The bar is high at this point. I guess I'll say that after the first two episodes, like the bar is very very high, and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes.
2: Righto. Yeah, I think uh, just initial thoughts were really. It felt like confident directing, and you can tell how much Dave Filoni has grown as a director. He's not it's directing those... it. Well, he directed the first episode.
0: I, th- I thought what I thought somebody else. He he wrote them, but I thought that it was wrote... directed by um, somebody else. No, he
2: directed episodes one and is going to direct episode five.
1: Yeah, he directed episode one. Di- okay. uh, episode two was directed by Steph Green. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm.
2: So, but but that's kind of my point is that he's gotten so much better from, uh, Clone Wars Rebels, Mandalorian. Like the the opening felt like classic Star Wars. Like that combination of Western with Eastern sensibilities. Uh, you know, from the opening scene, that was fun. Then the scene with uh, Ahsoka and the temple, That felt like strange. You know, like they were mixing Star Wars with Indiana Jones. So I love it when they do that. I love it when they throw another genres underneath the Star Wars just to kind of mix it up.
0: Yeah, it was like Indiana and, and Jones they're... and Fifth Element and Star Wars all got in a sandbox and played. Yeah,
2: basically, basically, and and I like that. I like it when they because that tells me they're confident in the story they're going to tell. They're com- They're not afraid of kind of pushing some things. Uh, overall, the first two episodes. You know, they were great, shot well, acted tremendously well. The fight scenes, choreography was tremendous. The music was just impeccable. I think they've done a great job. And uh, it, it, and the other thing I'll say just throughout the back, it felt different from Mandalorian. It felt different from Andor. And that's always one of those things that I'm beginning to look for in these different properties because I don't want it to all feel kind of like a, uh, not to disparage them, but like if you ever saw the CW Flash Arrowverse shows, you know, when they were doing Green Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, they all felt that same, we're all making this in a backloading Vancouver kind of vibe. You know, this doesn't feel like this, actually feels like they're actually putting the care and effort into making these shows feel and sound and look like they're in Star Wars, but different.
0: Yeah, and I was, I was, I was over the moon. um, and and it's like you know I watched both episodes and then the next day I started watching them again, and then then Britt and I got to watch them together after that. So I mean it's the the rewatchability is there. Um, I, I dug it that much. Um, Dave, all the things you said, and we're gonna that's our next bullet point. We'll talk about um, this this thing. And I've liked all the other episodes, or all the other series and by god we just had one a couple of months ago where darth friggin vader was you know in half of it and this felt like star wars it felt so much like you said from the way that it opened up we had a crawl you know a kind of a crawl we had you know it you know the pan down to the ship you know we had lightsabers we had blaster fire we had talk of empire it, it i mean but it did not feel like a rehash, so it was. It, I mean, and it was. It was even though, and a lot of people criticized this these two episodes for being slow, and I didn't think that at all. Um, I, I thought it. I thought it paced well. Um, like I said, just the just the rewatchability. That was that was my first. I was like, I, I can't wait to watch it again. Um, so I want I want to jump into that the aesthetics part of it. Like I said, Dave started talking about it. Uh, the music is, I think, the best music that we've had in any of these series. And I mean, it's it's not like we're playing fair because it's Kevin Kiner, the dude who did like Rebels and and uh, Clone Wars for um, Dave Filoni. So he'd he's he's already you know seventy five percent there. You know, but we had themes for people, you know, because there was Hera had a theme and Sabine had a theme and Ahsoka has a theme, you know. And so there were there were those clips that came back that you may not be as singable as like Darth Vader's theme or, you know, the force theme. But you recognize them if you watched Rebels um, or the Clone Wars. Um, So, yeah, the music was just great. And there were times where there was no music. And then when the music came in, it was like, so it was just, you're right. It was well put together. And I agree with you hundred percent, Dave, the, and then I'll let you guys talk about this. The, my criticism of the other series, and you've heard it on this podcast before is that, okay, you can tell where they didn't, where they ran out of their allowance, Yeah, you know, or it was like, Oh crud, we got two days to get this scene put together and or, you know, the volume, you know, it's like it was obvious that they were in the volume or these things. And I didn't really get a whiff of that in this. It, I mean, it was the most cinematic um, looking bit of Star Wars that we've gotten.
1: The the opening shot, I'm glad you brought that up too, with the, with the semi-crawl, you know, the pan down to the... the ship and the and then boom we're off we're running um so I mean so similar to so many of the the movies that we've seen so far. Um but just that 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 I'm guessing it was a model and I'm gonna be interested to learn more about like what in what went into the making of this. Um but that model of that ship it was like chef's kit yeah no, it looked perfect it looks spot on like some of the stuff you see in some of the animated shows and even in mandalorian uh when they're flying through space and they're getting into dogfights and things like of that nature it looks fine it gets the job done but it just doesn't look as good as that stuff that we saw on the big screen so many years ago and so um just for him to get that right right out of the gate like all right we're in you know i'm in now and he, he, the cues and the music You're talking about, like the french horn like you hear this like front and center french horn like early on in this show and i'm like okay you know like i you know i love what we got in mandalorian and some of the other series but like i'm transported it's like, I'm in Star Wars, like you said, like again, like is is something Star Warsy enough? um well, th- there's there should really be no debate about that here, at least in terms of the ambiance and the um design the overall design of the series.
2: Yeah, and I think that's one of the the things that really got to me in just these first episodes. I mean, we'd spent a good bit of time in low fall. We spent a good bit of time. Uh, with the villains and everybody but it's how much the story sips one place to the next like characters are having discussions in hangers having discussions you know as they're coming and going this is a story that's moving you know know, i'm surprised that people said these two first episodes were slow because i always thought that was the criticism for the first two episodes of andor if you recall Mm -hmm. the things didn't pick up to till episode three which is where all the action happens uh but that was by design. I don't think that these were slow, if anything. I think they, the, from the moment they started, we're gonna hook you in. And they hook us in with the villains, they hook us in with the mystery. They're trying to build this sense of there's a lot of stuff happening and you need to figure out why. And uh, as the mysteries kind of unfold, then uh, our characters are being introduced or reintroduced.
0: Well, and I'm going, I'm going to probably surprise you both but this leads into the next thing. Let's talk about the character portrayals, um, the music that they used when they introduced Sabine, the like Asian punk band. Yes, perfect. That worked. That's her. That's I mean, her. Yes, it was her. It was. I mean, it worked. You can't. You can't. That I was like my again. My first reaction I was like, well, that's different. But then I was like, this is cool. All right. Yeah, this works. You know, and I don't know, maybe the weird stuff that we heard in Mandalorian and, you know, uh, and others, maybe that helped kind of, you know, carry me to that point where I can accept, you know, something totally new, but but it was rock music, but it didn't sound like Jedi rocks, you know, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was good. You know, um,
1: George Lucas's awful idea of what rock music is supposed to sound like, right?
2: It reminded me a lot of when the uh, when Jedi Fallen Order hired the Mongolian rock, rock band The Who to give them a song for the uh, part of the game where Cal was fighting in the arena. Of course, you're gonna be you know they're gonna give you something that feels like it's part of Star Wars, but it's not. While well, at the same time, like it feels part of the world. And more than anything, I think the big key was that they hit the essence of uh, Sabine this is she's a graffiti artist she's uh colors her here different colors she's a, she's a she's rebel a, she's a, she is a, rebel a rebel in every way yeah
0: um so okay so yeah let's let's talk about because there, there were some there are some surprises in here um first of all i want to say you know like i said i we have our i have my um my family litmus test so i haven't talked to my in-laws yet but Brittany hasn't watched really any of Rebels. She hears us talk about Rebels, um, you know, but I asked her, I said, did you feel lost at all? She's like, no. I mean, they, they did a good job in these two episodes of just kind of saying who people were, what the dynamics are, and, you know, where we are, you know. And then, but, but okay, so I was excited when he introduced Jai Kell senator jai kel i was like oh wow he's here that's cool and i was like well you know Ryder azadi is the is the governor and it's the same dude who voiced him and i was like well that's cool you know so there's there's that again that element of the people who watched rebels are like yes and the people who didn't are like okay cool i know i understand who these people are um so but let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the biggies first of all um and i want to i want to talk about let's we were just talking about sabine and i will i will say bulls friggin eye
2: yeah and i was the one
0: i was the one you go back into these past episodes and i was like why can't they just get you know tia sir and you know or sir and because i that voice was so important but holy cow did she just nail it
1: my favorite character in the series so far. I mean, like uh, the antagonists I, I love, I love all of them. Um, but like, uh, they don't get as much screen time. So it's more of a, you know, they do as much as they can with a tiny little amount of work. Uh, Sabine's front and center. Um, she's got probably as much screen time as anybody so far, maybe slightly more than Ahsoka or slightly less. I don't know. It's probably neck and neck between those two, but, um, critical critically important role for the series crushing it love her amazing no no moments of like well that was an interesting acting choice where you sit there and you start to evaluate the performance no i just was like i just rolled with it she and was, just was, bought her yeah i mean it,
0: it was it was you know her standoffishness her you know her kind of her childishness you know um her confidence um you know the facial expressions of you know the smirks that she would put on um yeah i uh, don't fredo i yeah, no, in the same nah. process
2: yeah, very much so i love the fact that after the show the first two episodes everybody went back and found that clip from rebels when Uh, came in Strea talking to Hera about training Sabine and talking about how her connection to the Force is somewhat blocked and how she's so talented but so difficult and ultimately it's like she's so Mandalorian and you're like, well yeah, that's who she is she's somebody who's very, very much a brilliant character is very talented but she's also very much product of who of her family and everything around her. So she's very, you know, she's different than everybody else in certain ways. And I think that kudos to Natasha Lee Bordizzo because she captured that essence really well. While also showing us that no, this is a character who's still kind of grown up. You know, this is still the same Sabine that we knew from Rebels, but just a few years down the line.
0: And, you know, we don't we don't have to talk a lot about Ahsoka because we've talked about how Rosario has portrayed her. I know that my instant reaction to you guys was, it seemed like she was just kind of grumpy the whole time. <laughs> um, but then, because I, I guess I was kind of flashing back to, you know, the earlier episodes of The Clone Wars where Ahsoka was not beaten down by life. She was, you know, energetic. She was cocky. She was everything. And then... Um, latter well especially the last season of the clone wars it she's very somber very serious um but it was just so i i do think rosario is doing an awesome job with ahsoka um i did like seeing how she did start grumpy but then there was that kind of lightening up a little bit at the end when she called sabine padawan you know um but i love we don't know why it's there but the confrontation between, and the uneasiness between the two of them. They uh, the, they did such a natural, great job of, you know, getting that across that, wow, okay, this is really uncomfortable.
1: That's the yeah. great live- thing about her right now is the promise of more. Um, and, and that character has been kind of blank slatey uh, for probably too long, in my opinion. Um, and now they're, they're promising, like, we're going to peel back some layers of the onion here, and we're going to get at what makes her tick, um, and, and, like, what's going on between the two of them, and that's going to be a major piece of that. Um, and I also just briefly want to say that I think um, her body language... Uh, has improved. <laughs> well, I feel like she's been watching the cartoons and like taking cues from them. And the Resistance and broadcast. Uh,
0: the Resistance broadcast said there's got to be a drinking game that every time Ahsoka crosses her arms, you got to take a shot.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, but it's it's such an integral part of like that design of that character from the get-go. um but you know what's also
2: you know what's also interesting because the thing that I picked up on first of all, yes. You're led to believe that there's a, there's been a relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine, maybe it did not end on the best terms. We know from Rebels that Sabine had some issues with wielding the dark saber when Kanan tried to teach her. And they we had know that Ahsoka, inter-
0: They really had zero interaction in Rebels. In Rebels, right? She goes.
2: Ahsoka was in and out as fulcrum for a while there. Uh, the thing that I'm loving about Rosario is. A lot of that crossing of the arms and her just standing back, this is her in some ways behaving like Anakin did when she was her master. You're seeing that flipping of her. She's now become the master. So therefore she's trying to behave like her master would with her apprentice. That's why I'm, laughing, I'm loving the relationship between the two of them because if you remember when Ahsoka was the Padawan, when she was Snips, she was top first, Think for, you know, like action, let's go. And and in, in, in a weird way, she was as impetuous, if not more so than Anakin. And now maybe the years have taught her to be more patient, to be more guarded, to be more aware of what her actions are, which obviously having fought through all the fights she's had, makes sense. But it's a, that dynamic. Now she's faced with a younger version of herself in Sabine, and there's that struggle that much in the same way as Anakin had with her, that she's got a temper her own, Self in order to be able to teach this padawan in front of him.
0: Now um, we only saw a hologram of him, um, but Ezra, and for only a couple seconds. But Ezra, um, again, just from that little snip, snippet, um, voice nailed, body language nailed. It seems like that's going to be, you know. Now wait until we get more of of him. But uh, that that seemed to work. Um, who Yang was awesome. I love how he is just the, you know, um, yeah, the no filter, you know, uh, the conscience. Yeah. I mean, just, just the no filter. I loved it. Um, except for that he blinks. And then I went, looked at a clone wars episode and he blinked in the clone wars too. And it's like, why does a droid need to blink? But whatever. Um, I got over that. Not really, but I do Um, but it is interesting, you know, for those of you who don't know who that character is, he actually, he's been, he's probably the oldest star Wars character of them all. He's been around for 25,000 years and he's like the Ollivander of the Jedi. He knows every lightsaber that a Padawan constructed. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but also it's like, okay, so, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that they could tell. Is like when did when did she pick him up? Where did he go yeah. during Order Sixty Six? You know what? You know, yeah, all these things. Um, so now let's uh, so let's go to a controversial one. Maybe well, I guess the one that I I I think I know this is Dave's big bugaboo, and I'm I'm still uneasy about it, and that's Hera, um, the portrayal of Hera. Um, I don't know what it is about it that doesn't sit right yet. But um, I'll let Dave first go, and maybe he'll help me out, figure out why I don't. It's it's like Sabine nailed it. Hera, it seems like it was a high outside, you know. Yeah. I don't know.
1: I think some of the specific choices um, for me, in, in particular scenes, in particular moments, when she chose a particular delivery it just i didn't like um and it didn't seem true to character and again like is that a me problem because i'm bringing all this rebels baggage into the equation or is it a problem with the actress's performance um and i don't know the the full answer to that um but again like i would i would say what aaron just said which is like i'm i'm a little apprehensive about it right now i wasn't a fan of what i saw um but again she's she's playing it very differently than well, I just, you would maybe expect that character to behave
0: to me there's two things um uh-huh. one first of all you you helped me figure this one out finally it seems like she doesn't have a care in the world. And in Rebels, she had every care in the world. There was something that was always driving her. And and she's just kind of like, oh, you two are just difficult. You know, you just, you're good. You'll be good friends again. You know, everything's going to be fine. You know, that's just kind of the vibe I got. And that's not really the vibe that Hera, there's a little bit more edge to her in Rebels. Um, Number two is that? And this is gonna sound. She she just looks, she looks younger than what she did in the cartoon. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean,
0: um, and so that's kind of. She looks like the youngest of all of them, and I I don't mean that as a I don't know. It just something is just kind of. I mean, because the costume is there, the the design. I started wondering was like, well, did they design the her head tails correctly? Yeah, they did that. Um, so.
1: It, you know, to be completely fair, uh, Ahsoka's voice bothered me considerably when I first saw her. When I saw Rosaria's version of her, because her voice is so much deeper um, than Ashley Eckstein's, and I just—I couldn't get past that for a while. And now I'm okay with it. So it took some time, and so I'm willing to sort of take that mentality here, but at the same time. Yeah, exactly. She she's playing it very cool. I'm cool. Hey, we're all good here. Hey.
0: You know, it good. Where it finally started to feel <sighs> like, feel like Hera <laughs> was when uh, there was two in two places. Um well one when they were interrogating the uh the shipyard people, you know. Mm-hmm. She started getting some of that, you know, kind of don't mess with me Hera vibe. So that was good. And the other was When Ahsoka said found the map for Thrawn, and she realized that okay, this could lead to Ezra, because here's a person you know she she lost the love of her life, she lost you know basically her son in Ezra. You know has watched through the Galactic Civil War. You know you kind of would expect this this general to be a little bit more jaded or or not i mean it's like you kind of would have expected her, instead of saying well you two are just i thought that you could being difficult is what made it work instead of i think Hera would say you know what you two need to just figure this out you know i mean at this so it just it just doesn't jive with where she had come from i don't know fredo first of all, what's
2: interesting is i just have to look up because Elizabeth winston's 38 so it's kind of keeping in about the side right age for, um, for Hera.
0: Is it? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because we're seven years, this is seven years uh, after uh, Return of the Jedi. She, I mean, then in Rebels takes place. You know, a good handful of years. How far are we out from rebels on this one? Because otherwise, well,
2: uh, yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, and uh, she was in the mid twenties when she was leading the ghosts uh, in Lolo mm. According to Wikipedia, she was twenty-four by the time of uh, rebels. <laughs> so okay, <laughs> uh, I don't know. but I guess forty. To my, to my bigger point. To my bigger point. Uh, I didn't mind it, but I think sometimes, I mean, part of it, the dynamic is we know she's a mom and not being a parent, I'll defer to the parent here about how kids keep you young and on your toes. So you almost have to have, you know, a kind of a duck, a water rolling of a duck's back kind of mindset about some things. And don't necessarily think that her becoming jaded or becoming a hard
0: ass would have worked for
2: her character i mean it, it would have been an easy choice I'm saying make. she always
0: was kind I'm of a hard. i mean a little bit of a hard. and it didn't seem to be there in this
2: but because what was going on at the time remember she's in the she's leading a rebel cell behind enemy lines to disrupt the empire's plans now she's a general of the new republic and as far as the new republic is thinking everything's perfect. you know. Of course, there be, you know things are going great. The New Republic has finally triumphed. So maybe in some ways she's dropped some of that guard and some of that hard edge that she felt she needed to have during the Galactic Civil War. Yeah, that's um, fair. To me, so to me, I didn't mind it. I, I know, I, I kind of understood kind of, okay, maybe they'll go over something different. Yeah, you're right, at some point it'd be interesting to see if we do see that hard edge kind of come back to her character as the story progresses. Oh, but there was, there for, was, another,
0: there was mm-hmm. another time when it was, it was totally Hera. And that was when she and Chopper were chasing after the escaping ship. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now uh, we have more episodes. I will say again, my litmus test, Britt really loved the character. Got, got mm-hmm. the character thought it, you know, she, it, yeah, she just was like I said, fine with it. Um, let's talk villains oh, yeah. his character portrayals. Um, cause we have two, um, former Jedi, um, in Balin skull and, um, Shin Hati. We have a, uh, Morgan Elsbeth is now confirmed to be a Knight sister. Um, and we have some dude who looks, I guess Lucasfilm has already said he is an, a former inquisitor, um, but that's a uh, Marek, Um Mark. So those are our big baddies right now. Um, and I dug them, dug, I, I dug them all. Um,
2: you know what I like the most out of the gate? Well, first of all, their introduction was just classic perfect Star Wars. They are competent. They are, of what they're there to do. They know how they need to do it. B- Balin is, you know, they're not snarling. They're not menacing. They're not trying to, you know, th- their job is to accomplish them, you know, their mission is to accomplish the mission. They do it. That's it. They're, they're not there to bandy words or to snarl. Like like the robots that attack Sabine, I'm sorry, uh, Ahsoka at the temple are more what you expect of a Star Wars villain. Whereas with... Uh, Balin and Sati, uh, sorry, they were just very much. nope, we're here to do this job. You're in our way. Lightsaber. Goodbye. We're done.
0: And Balin is also, I mean, he's a mercenary, but it was mm-hmm. like the like the last line that he you know, and he said it would be a shame to kill Ahsoka because there's so few Jedi left. So automatically, he's complicated. He's not, you know it's not an easy villain where it's like, you did me wrong and now I'm going to get even with the universe. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Reminded me of Dooku in a lot of ways. You know, a guy that um, is very conflicted about his current path um, because he's going to hurt people um, that he values. Um, Like Again, like whether he has a personal relationship or not. In this case, he's concerned about Wiping out more Jedi, which to him is not something he'd like to see happen. And they appreciated that aspect to his character. Again, the competence, the quiet confidence. He just is very much aware of his own abilities and his place in the universe. And I, I'm really fascinated by him. Um, and again, his apprentice, we haven't, we haven't seen very much with her yet but I love their dynamic. Um, and it remains to be seen if this is going to hold true, but she like respects that teacher apprentice relationship. Like there's not a whiff of rebellion no, and, in her yet.
0: And he's very, he's very calm and she's a storm. I mean, when right. she, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of fury there.
1: And, makes, and but she understands like mm-hmm. this is the pecking order, right? This is the guy, he's the boss. I'm gonna do what he says. Um, and I dig that because like we don't always see that.
2: Yeah, it makes me wonder if she was a battle on one of the younglings at the temple or if it's somebody. Because given you know, they juxtaposed her with Sabine, particularly that duel, uh, for the map, uh, in episode two. So it makes me wonder if maybe she was, she's the same age. So was she at the Jedi temple? Was she somebody that Balin found after and has been kind of teaching in the ways of the force, but without any of the rail guards that would have come to young Padawans? It's interesting because she's very much, uh, like you said, uh, Dave, I, she's a storm contained. Well, like at any moment, she might just go.
0: You know, what's interesting is like, we're, we're kind of witnessing a, you know, like a reformation movement within Star Wars it's it's because they they aren't Sith but it's kind of mm-hmm. like you know it's it's like when you know Martin Luther broke off from the Catholic Church he didn't he didn't want to not be Catholic he wanted things different so I think you've got Balin who is like you know because he's still training her in a Jedi-like way you still have the braid I'm teaching you how to build the lightsaber the way that we were taught in the Jedi Temple But we're not Jedi, you know, so and and people are wanting to say people are wanting to call gray Jedis, but we're just going to throw that out. It's just, you know, it's like it's almost like a different sect.
2: Well, that's what's interesting, because Balin's not said Ahsoka's not really Jedi. I mean, well, and she says something
0: the same way. She says to Hu Yang, said, he's like, how did she give you give up the location of the map? Said, well, I didn't follow Jedi protocol either. So I mean, hmm, you know,
1: he he is a reflection of her. Yeah, and I think They're... like she felt like she was probably so evolved. Oh, you know, I'm not a Jedi. Uh, that was one of her favorite things to say. And now, here's another person who says, "I am not a Jedi," and yet <laughs> it's a much darker version of what she's trying to achieve or project. And so. Um, it's fascinating on that level, but I also feel like these two characters, these non Jedi, non Sith, I'm really curious to see how they're going to bounce off of these other antagonists.
0: Well, yeah, and that's uh, and to that point, Morgan Elsbeth now is a Knight Sister. Night Sisters, you know, use the dark side of the Force, um, in just a different way. So, um, that's going to be interesting for people to get, you know, kind of comfortable with because before it was either Jedi or Sith. And now you have, you know, a bunch of people who have some sort of connection with the force. Um, I like that yeah. she's a night sister. I think that's, that's going to be kind of cool. it will be interesting to see what goes on. Um, and since we're there, what, like one of my, so well, first of all, before well, no, while we're there, then we'll then we'll speculate wildly about Merrick later, because I have an idea that I well something I heard, and then Dave has an idea, but let's talk about witches for a second. And I cannot claim this. I want to run this by you guys. I think this came from uh, New Rock Stars. Um, so the 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 number three is is very witchy number you know and when we're in that temple there are three figures um, there's the tricatcher, catcher you know so everything's in three and so they they posed, they said but right now there's just one witch so what if um, because I found her reaction very interesting when Shin says you're a witch you know it was like like there was a connection there, or something. So maybe, maybe she has some connection to the Night Sisters. And then the third one, this might you can throw me off the over the over the rails on this one if you want to. But Sabine, who Hu Yang says your your abilities, you know, are below about every other Padawan that I've ever seen in twenty five thousand years. But Sabine was possessed by a Night Sister. So is there some sort of residual and maybe that's where this force connection that she has comes into play? What if the three witches end up being obviously Morgan, Shin and Sabine? We don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but it's just interesting to think about. (laughs) I mean, because, because like I said, Sabine was possessed by a night sister for a, for a whole episode.
1: I think it's important, like, again, like at the risk of repeating ourselves is that like what we're seeing here in this series. And I think like what makes this series valuable already two episodes in is that we're not seeing people that are narrowly defined in a particular Jedi Sith way. Right. Um, And regardless of whether any of these people are going to become witches or um
0: tell kate it's okay she has no yeah. fingers left yes
1: <laughs> yeah you, you still have your fingers hey, Ron, <laughs> Miles, <baby. laughs> uh, yeah linus wanted a cookie so yeah. be careful thank you um uh, as, you know as i was saying though i just think like there's value in um Showing you something new, showing you something different. And and And, and we're on that path right now where you're seeing all these different characters that you cannot just put into a tidy little box and say, that's what they are.
0: And I think that, you know, what's frustrating is that's what Ryan Johnson was kind of trying to say and that people like, you know, peed their pants over. And now Dave Filoni is saying it even louder that, hey, here's all these people that have some sort of connection with the force. But guess what? Ain't none of them a Jedi right now ain't none mm-hmm. of them a sith i don't know yeah i know what, what do you think my theory uh, the new rock stars theory you think is full of muck or not
2: part of me was thinking you know you also have a pattern without spoiling uh jedi survivor you still have Marin out there potentially so there might be another uh night sister here or there although it'd be surprising if she aligned with uh morgan although I think, to the element about Sabine having been possessed, it creates an interesting conflict, internal conflict within her, about, you know, maybe having more access to the Force, or a better connection with the Force than she feels she has right now that she may need to do in order to be a strong enough, excuse me, Padawan to be able to help Ahsoka and find Esra, which they've defined quite clearly. Her goal is to find Esra, so whatever she's going to do to make that happen, may put her in conflict with Ahsoka and Harold. Yeah, I, uh, I
1: might I might tag off of that briefly too, to just say that like she's not if there are if there are seeds of discord between the two, which we already know that there are, that becomes a wedge between them, which becomes a path for them to split off from one another, which makes this theory this witch theory um plausible. Anyway, um Fredo you were going to
2: say something else yeah yeah no so, uh, but uh, it's, it's interesting because talking about it with some friends they they had an issue with the idea of witches in Star Wars and I'm just like it's just a different way of understanding and coming to terms with the mystery of the force but, uh, well, <laughs> sorry, sorry
0: that you're, you're you could be talking about real friggin world right now it's like you know it's mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah you know if, if you look at the
2: jedi as say like the christian church the women the, the, which is a, the night sisters of Daphne are like eastern philosophy you know well it's more you know, on a mountain uh, you know uh, or, the, let's, or let's something hit, else
0: let's hit close let's hit closer to home fredo i mean it's the They're catholic Wiccans. church looking at looking at the voodoo you know they, temple down the you know you know four blocks up um right and it's like yeah, uh, so, I mean, okay. So if we were sitting at a bar, if we were sitting at a bar and we had a few pints, I would really get on a you know a, a tirade here, um, mm-hmm. but we're not going to for right now. So, but I do want to speculate wildly about Marek, though, the Inquisitor mm-hmm. dude, um, and mine is just again I picked this up from some reading that I did, um, but Sam Witwer mm-hmm. is credited. In Ahsoka. Sam Witwer was the uh, voice of Darth Maul. Um, he's done a lot of things for um, for Filoni and for Lucasfilm. But he was also the voice of Starkiller from mm-hmm. The Force Unleashed, who was Darth Vader's apprentice. What if that Inquisitor Marak, 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 whatever his name is, what if that is Sam Whitwer? and is, will we get, and maybe so that would be, we have star killer. And then does that lead us to why this thing is called star killer base in, um, by the force awakens.
2: Yeah,
1: I don't know.
0: That'll be, I mean, like I said, that's just kind of a, there's not, I mean, I'm like the guy with the post-it notes and the red <laughs> red <Yeah>. string, <laughs> but I mean, We'll have to watch that. I mean, that's kind of interesting when you see, you know, that name credited and there are some, it's, it's, it wasn't a difficult connection to make, but, mm-hmm. but Dave, you have another idea of that character.
1: I do. Woo. Right under the buzzer. Um, I, Sam Whitworth. and we have a night sister. I'm not sure that's a coincidence. It might be. It might not be.
0: Are you bringing Darth Maul back to life again? I'm not
1: talking about Darth Maul specifically. I'm talking about potentially a knight brother. That isn't Maul. Maul's dead, we think. We're pretty sure. But a knight brother. That isn't Maul. Perhaps a brother. Perhaps somebody of no Familial relation, but just one of the species that resided on that planet, and were subjugated by the Night Sisters, and were particularly force sensitive, and might become proficient with a lightsaber. I don't know. That's that was that was my immediate takeaway because I I just saw Night Sister, I saw Sam Witten where I thought, yeah, maybe, maybe.
0: What's interesting is that we didn't hear a voice out of him at all. That's true. And by the way, can we talk real quick just about the, the most badass My move was when the double-bladed lightsaber was flying back, and Ahsoka just kind of moved her shoulders. So, <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Um
2: I was the same totally an Anakin move.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, like I said, I. I was over the moon with these first two episodes. Now I'm going to watch another one here in a couple minutes. Um, and, you know, and we've got six episodes to upset us. But, um, and what I find interesting people talking about how weird it is that star Wars has introduced another galaxy. And that's the least of my concerns in this. <laughs> um, I yeah. mean, it's like all that is it's all, Folks, it's all a MacGuffin, you know, it's just, we need, you know, I don't know. And then they're, they're trying to read into it. You know, it's like, um, cause Morgan says, uh, she, it, usually people say space and time, but she said time and space. So is it like, uh, I don't know, but basically, I mean, everything's just set up for them. You got a race of the baddies versus the goodies to get to Thrawn first. Um, so, you know, well, I, I I don't really think there's anything beyond i ad-
1: think i briefly i think there's something sort of valuable in that from a storytelling perspective which is that there's this new galaxy that means there are new threats um yeah. like the you know the the rebels won they're on top of the galaxy you know the emperor is dead for now uh the empire is gone uh we're we for won now. yeah We've won, you know. A different galaxy is a different story. There's n- no telling what you might find out there.
2: And can we just write quickly? Because I love that they did this in episode two. They went back when they were going to Corellia to figure out what the heck uh, the plans of the pac Eyes were, were. And they get this, uh, impresario, they decommission all these ships. And it's like, oh wait, all these guys were former Imperials and they're still very much for the Empire. Uh, I'm like, you know, whenever, whenever we got episode seven, we'll go, how the heck did the Empire not fall apart? And the one one of the good things that all these shows, Mandalorian, Pokobo Fett, Silk are doing is they're bridging that gap. They're showing us how the foolishness of the New Republic to think, oh, we beat the top guys, therefore everything's hunky-dory now. We're all one big happy galaxy, not realizing wait a minute, there were thousands upon thousands of people who were quite happy with the Empire being in charge and they're not necessarily just going to be quiet and go away now or and just side with you guys because here's a new power. And I, I find that that it's a tiny bit of cynicism in Star Wars, but I think it's mandatory because we know where it's going to lead. We know that we're going to get the First Order at some point down the line. So I love the fact that they're not saying, oh, the galaxy is perfect and everything's fine. If anything... The New Republic is quite blind to the reality on the ground around them, which is hilarious because they were the once upon a time the roles were reversed. They were the guys on the ground, you know, finding ways to upset the Empire's applecart. You know.
0: My final thought: Chopper is awesome. So, I, I yeah. So that was. Just shoot it down. Yeah. Just shoot it down. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> You can tell exactly what he's saying. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. And what he has like the highest body count, um, maybe next to Luke. Um, so anyway, oh, so, okay. Well, next week we'll talk about uh, what we see tonight and tomorrow with the, whenever we watch this new episode of Ahsoka, um, let us know what you think on um, whatever we're calling it now, X, Or Twitter X. Or just if you see us at a bar somewhere, talk to us there or, you know, uh, Facebook or Smoke Signals, whatever. Uh, So, so, uh, but otherwise, until then, keep cool and uh, uh, hope everybody has a fantastic week. Makanti.